Because Nobody Told Me, the 98FM Parenting Podcast with Lauren and Serena. Hey, it's Lauren and Serena here for another episode of Nobody Told Me. Lauren, how's it going? Good. I know I just said that my earphones are fine, but can you turn them down to another tiny bit? Sorry. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> okay. Uh, good, good week. Um, I'm trying to think. It was Father's Day. How was that? Uh, it was grand. Um, I'm trying to think back now. Yeah, I was just kind of conscious that like I had a lovely Mother's Day. And like your first Father's Day and first Mother's Day are kind of a big deal. So, yeah. What did you do? I'm just, I'm laughing because I'm remembering um, Brian's first Father's Day. Well, I got him flowers because I was like, what else am I supposed to get him? And then I actually made a big fuss of getting really fancy chocolates because for Mother's Day, he got me Ferrero Rocher and then he ate most of them himself. <laughs> So I went to, you know, Leonidas chocolates yeah. or Leonidas chocolates. I don't know how you say it, but I know they're delicious. Are they your favourites? Yeah. <laughs> so I was stuck into them on Sunday night. Um, it's funny that, how did he feel though with Father's Day? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that I probably put, I thought about Mother's Day a lot before it because I suppose for the last like eight years, Mother's Day has been one of those days that people are like thinking of you today because my mum passed away. And so this year was like, I'm the mum now. Like, so it was kind of, I was excited to have Mother's Day for me this year. And similarly, Alex has lost his dad in the last few years. So I was kind of pumped for him to have this new buzz to Father's Day. And like most things, he didn't really think about it until it was on him. And then I think he was like, it's my day. Like, you can't <laughs> fight with me. And like, you know, I can do whatever I want and get away with murder. And yeah, like, it was yeah, it was lovely. It was really nice. It's really interesting to hear that perspective because um, for Mother's Day and Father's Day, for, since the very beginning, we've never really, it's really funny. It's a day that I do celebrate my mum and dad and his mum, but I find it very hard to celebrate me and Brian struggles to celebrate him too. Well, it's, I suppose, and I'm sure, I don't know if other people feel this, but it's because all you know of Mother and Father's Day is your own parents. If you're lucky enough to have yeah. your own parents and you've celebrated with them over the years, it's it's a strange thing when you're the mom and you're the dad. And I suppose, like, our kids are small. They don't yeah. know what Mother's Day and Father's Day are. So, you know, it is still a day for the nanas and the granddads. That's probably because you know? I remember our very first Father's Day. <laughs> um, oh... The little one, my our first probably would have been about two months, maybe three months old at that stage, and it was the first girls' day out, and I'd booked it not knowing what day it was, <laughs> and then he went, "It's Father's Day." I went, "Exactly, you get to spend more time with your daughter." Off I go. So <laughs> I left him with the kid, and then yeah, my my first Mother's Day wasn't a big deal either. So what we've decided what works for us because it, it is funny. I do feel uncomfortable celebrating it, but as I said, not celebrating other mums. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just left it to let's let the kids decide what they want to do. So generally all they do is they just make the cards and just give us cards on the day, but we we don't go out of our way to make the the cards. Yeah, yeah, so that's nice. Crush is amazing. They're so so creative. Like my my three oh, you year old. Shared yours. Yeah. Yeah, it was so cool. He came home with, you know, they always they find really creative ways to do handprints and footprints and turn them into pictures. And so they turned it into a superhero. Like they had the hand oh, being, I think the hand was the cape and the foot was the face the or, or the body or something. So yeah, it was very cute. Ah, sweet. Yeah, sweet so it was too. a nice, it was a nice week though. How was your week? 
It's a really strange week. Um, this week, I don't usually talk about my period in public, but this week my period was six days late. And oh, shit. Yeah, that was my reaction. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit. It was also, I'm never going to have sex ever, ever again. <laughs> and it was just, I then my mind went to the, oh, my God, what if I am pregnant? Because I have said that two, that's it, I'm done at two. And not people have gone, oh, you've said you've done it too because it's a boy and a girl. Nah. If I had two girls or two boys, I'd still, two is my number. I'm done. Um, so then my mind went to, oh my God, if we have another kid, we start all over again. And oh my God, when that kid starts school, I'm going to be how old? I can't cope. And then the day my period arrived, I went, oh, thank God it's here. But then it brought me to this really weird place where as women, you have such a funny relationship with your period. Mm -hmm. When you're in your teen years, it's, oh, thank God, thank God it's here. And, you know, you're in your 20s, thank God it's arrived. And then you go into you're ready to have a baby and the disappointment you feel when you have your period. And now I've come out at the other end. It was the first time where I went, oh, shit, my period hasn't come. And that was... I, I felt like I was a teenager again. Yeah. Like I'd come full uh, full circle. I was going to say full cycle. I did, thank God. Love um, what you did there. Yeah, but I'd come full circle. And um, yeah, so it, it got us thinking about what we really want to talk about today, didn't yeah, it? Because I think fertility is something that like a lot of things in life you don't think about until you are in it. And it's, you know, a huge, huge part of your focus in life. So here we go. Nobody Told Me with Lauren and Serena. Fertility, Lauren, this is um this is a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I think since we started this podcast, we knew we were gonna get to this topic and it's something that a few people have been in touch with us about and we've gotten back to people privately to say that yes, we would get to it because it's different for everyone and like I said, it's something you don't think about. It's you know, it's un- until you're confronted with your fertility and your journey, yeah, it doesn't cross your mind. And like you said, as women we spent so long like praying for our periods. Yeah. Yeah, thank and, God for that red dot. Okay, yeah. we're, we're not pregnant. Yeah. And it, it is when when your mind frame shifts and it's like, but I really want to be pregnant. And I know with my first baby, I was so, so lucky, Lauren. We just went, that's it. I'm coming off the pill. We're, we're, we decided we weren't trying, but we weren't not trying. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so, like yeah. we weren't going to be safe anymore. And was there a big conversation? Was there a big lead up to that for you guys? Yeah, probably a few years. Yeah. Like, it. yeah, it probably took about three or four years before we went, we had the first conversation of, I think we're ready to have kids. No, we're not. And so that went on for a little while. And then when we had it again, it was just like, okay, we're ready. So I came off the pill and Lauren, the next month, I was Shut pregnant. Up. I was pregnant. And I was just like, wow, this is, and when things like that happen, you're like, oh, this is so easy and, you know, this is great. But and did you kind of think coming off the pill, there is going to be a time frame here? Yeah, I had a heart attack because okay. I just went, I thought it's supposed to take six months. Okay. You know, they tell you if you're going to try and have a kid, the books, okay, not life, the books tell you that if you're going to have a kid, you know, maybe come off the pill a, a year beforehand. Yeah. Um, and we all know people who've said, oh, I came off the pill before my wedding because I wanted to get pregnant straight away. And then lo and behold, I was pregnant for my wedding. Yeah, exactly. So, so you held off until you were absolutely ready in case it did happen straight away? Exactly. Because we weren't, as I said, oh, is he okay? He's just woken from his nap. He he just wants to be in mum's arms. You, you've been we're back now? in the room. Yeah. We're back in the room. Um, yeah, no, but I came off... I came off the pill and I really did think we'd have about six months to get used to the idea, Lauren. But <laughs> nope, I was pregnant and 
and then everything was okay. And then at that stage, I, I was, I think I was, I was taking it for granted. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, well, I'm pregnant, whatever. No big deal. No big deal. And then in 11 weeks, I had a scare. I saw blood again. It, it's this thing we have with blood. Spots are not what you want to see when you're pregnant. And when I started crying, I went, oh, wow, this is actually what I really wanted. Oh. But I was really, really lucky. I went to the doctor and I don't know what it was. I, I'm really bad at medical stuff, but he just said I had to put these. I'm not one for taking tablets. So when the doctor says you have to put these horse-sized tablets up your vagina, wow. you're just like, wow. But I did it for, I think I had to do it for about three months and then the baby was safe. So I was very, very lucky because I had that first experience. I thought every experience was going to be like that. And it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, we then decided that we were going to have the second child. And again, we were trying. And I thought it was really strange when after month one, it, it just didn't happen. And then I think it was only a few, like we didn't have to wait too long. After a few months, I was pregnant. And I remember I was going to Australia and I was only six weeks pregnant, I think. And I'd called the doctor and I'd booked an appointment and the strangest thing happened, Lauren, when I booked in that appointment, I think it's because a lot of my friends had had miscarriages on their second. Mm -hmm. And when I booked in, I was going for an early scan and I said, listen, I'm going to Australia. I just want to book an appointment. Um, I'll cancel it if I need to. And that's, I'm not like, I don't usually think that way, but that yeah. came out of my mouth. I went to Australia. I told everyone I was pregnant because I didn't have the joy of telling everyone I was pregnant in person last time. And I, also they wanted you to booze in Australia and yeah. they were going to cop on anyway. Okay, so you got the real reason out of me. Um, yeah, so I did that and I told everyone and then I came home and I, I had a really early scan and it was a nine-week scan. And I didn't think anything was wrong because I was getting all the symptoms. Like I was still so nauseous. Felt pregnant, and, yeah. yeah, I felt really pregnant. And I remember going in for that scan <laughs> And the the nurse said to me, um, oh, I'll, I'll be back. So it wasn't the consultant. It was, and I didn't think, I'm so oblivious to all this stuff. I didn't think anything of it, Lauren. So she went, she got the doctor. The doctor had a look and she said, listen, I'm really sorry. There's just, your, your child, the, the baby has not grown. The fetus has not grown. It's at the six week mark. Okay. You are now at nine weeks. Um, there's, there's no heartbeat or anything. I became really pragmatic. I was just like, oh, that's, that's okay. And um, she, so then she talked me through everything. She was like, do you, um, I, I had two options to let it happen naturally or did I want a DNC? And what, what's a DNC? Is that where they bring you in? They bring you in and they clean you, okay. clean you out, I think. Okay. I, I'm so not technical. No, but I think it's, yeah, it's when the fetus is at a certain point that yeah. it's not going to pass naturally. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing is, she did say to me, look, your body, the problem is we can wait for this to go naturally, but your body thinks it's still pregnant. Right. Hence the still, I was getting really nauseous and stuff. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. Yes. And I was just like, uh, I, I don't want this in me anymore. I, I just want it gone. It needs it needs to be out of me. So I booked in for the, the DNC, but the hilarious thing was when, you know, the nurses came, the midwives came in and they were just like, oh, look, do you want a cup of tea? And I said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. They asked me about two or three times. I went, Brian, why do they keep insisting on the cup of tea? And he goes, because they've actually just come up to me and gone, is she really okay? She keeps saying no to tea. So I think the fact that I was knocking back tea made them really concerned. And were you really fine? I was. I Because I was so pragmatic about it, right? And I just went, 
in my head, I was just like, well, this this pregnancy just wasn't an option. If if it did go ahead, the baby wouldn't be fine, and I'd be happy uh, that we we were both fine. And I, I keep using that word fine because I thought I was okay. So then I remember I came back into work. I didn't tell anyone, and. I remember my producer at the time said to me, okay, so I've got an interview booked for Tuesday. Can you do it on Tuesday? I went, oh, um, no, can you change that to Wednesday? Actually, make it Thursday because Tuesday was the day of the operation. Brian said to me he had a really important training course on and he says to me, mm, listen, I've got a training thing. Do you want me to change it? No, I'm fine. Just drop me to the hospital. I had no one there with me. And so I remember, oh my God, I'm tearing up. I remember going into the hospital I was so fine because this pregnancy just, it wasn't going to work. It, it, it was okay. In my head, it's okay. But, and I remember my aunties calling me from Australia going, are you okay? I went, yeah, it just wasn't meant to be. So I was really pragmatic about it. But then I remember being in the hospital and, oh my God. Hold on. You're doing fine. I've never actually teared up about this. I was in the hospital and dad was texting me. Take your time. And I suppose at that moment, oh my God. Take your time. Take it. If you want to stop, we can stop. No, it's okay. I suppose I'd never felt so alone. Of course. But I think that was, I'm not going to use the word fault. It was no one's fault. But I told Brian, like we had our three-year-old at creche. He had to be looked after. Um, he had to go to work. I suppose I could... I probably should have said to him, take the day off, yeah. come and sit with me. But I didn't and I didn't ask it. I, I'm so good at pushing people away. So I didn't ask for any help. But it was when dad just kept texting me. Fuck. <laughs> You're doing great. Fuck. Serena's amazing. So many people are going to be able to relate to this. But yeah, I suppose that's when... When you miss your friends and family the most, because I suppose the difference is I have amazing friends here and I have amazing family here, but no one insisted on coming to the hospital with me. Yeah. And that's where your dad or your mom, yeah. someone would be like, I'm fucking coming yeah. with you. And it's not, as you said, it's not Brian's fault. No. He knows you. Yeah. He's like, if I go to the hospital, even though she told me not to, she's going to go mad. Yeah. 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 But so you don't realise what it's going to be like until you're in there. And I was just so lonely. It wasn't even, I wasn't mourning the child. I really wasn't. Yeah. I was just so lonely and felt so alone just going, well, the reason my mum wasn't texting me is she doesn't know how to use the phone and voice note wasn't around back then right now like now she voice notes me every day but so it was dad just going checking in to see how you're doing um and he stayed up through the night with my mum and just to make sure that I was okay but they're amazing but everything was okay and everything was fine until I because I came out and went but it's okay Brian it's all going to be good. And I remember he, he brought Georgia in to see me and she gave me the biggest hug. She didn't know what was going on. We hadn't told her I yeah. was pregnant. So I think that's a hard thing as well when you have children and you have to tell them that all of a sudden mum and dad aren't having a baby, like yeah. this baby that you big up. But anyway, it was early days, um, went home and then we went, that's okay. We can just start trying again. And that was the hard part. Yeah. It was the... It's just not happening. Do you feel like the shine has kind of 
goes off for you like getting pregnant and trying to get pregnant like it's so much fun yeah you know and the shine going off it it's hard you know it's hard it is and you know we were getting older and every month you'd see that red dot and you'd just go fuck I'm not pregnant again and you know everyone was saying you know use the sticks use this do that and I was doing everything and it just wasn't working it just wasn't working I remember we then went, okay, how badly do we want a second child? Are we happy with one? And I just went, I, for me personally, I just want to know that I tried everything. And I remember going, we were going down the IVF route. And in amongst all of this stuff, people kept going, oh, when are you going to give Georgia a little brother or a oh, little sister? Piss like, off. Fuck, exactly. Just fuck off. Oh, God, I'm doing all th- the explicit, <laughs> the explicit sign is because of me today. <laughs> but it was just like, you know, people just, they don't know what is going on in your life. Do not ask those questions. Those, like my, my friends would ask, but more because they knew I wanted to talk about it. So they'd be asking, you know, how's it going this month or whatever. Um, but I remember going to the IVF clinic and that day was one of the scariest days. It was scarier than having had the miscarriage for me. Um, because again, I don't do medication. And I remember turning up to the clinic, we'd done all our tests and stuff and we were booking in to start the IVF process. And she started talking about all the nasal sprays I'd have to be taking, the injections I'd have to be taking, some medicine I'd have to be on. And Brian just looked at me and I just, I just went white. And I knew I wasn't taking it in because I just kept hearing medication. And I'm not scared of needles, but it was just medication, medication, medication. And I remember walking out and we'd, um, we were going to make an appointment and Brian went, are you sure you're okay with this? I went, yeah, I just, I, I want to start it. What was hard as well was he was doing a lot of traveling. So I, you know, that wasn't helping the getting pregnant thing or the, the IVF thing either. Cause I went, you need to be by my side while I'm going through this stuff. I remember going to the receptionist and I made the appointment and she says, I really hope I don't see you next month. I went, what do you mean? And she says, and I don't want to give any false hope because, you know, for everyone it's completely different. She says, you know, there's some couples who after they've made the decision to go through with IVF, it's almost like the guard has been let down. You you know that there's a chance for you to get pregnant another way. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but there's a possibility to get pregnant the other way. And I've had quite a few couples ring me and say, can I cancel that appointment? I said, that's not going to be me. I will see you in a month's time. So two days before the appointment, I rang and I went, I'm really sorry to cancel so closely. I'm so, so sorry. And I just kept apologising. And she couldn't have been happier. She was just, I, she was like, I, I knew, I knew this would be it. And I was like, no, you didn't. But, you know, thank you. And yeah. So, wow. so it was tough. But again, I never, except for that breakdown there when I had, I think it was more talking about my dad than anything else. For me, though, I became, I, I never mourned the miscarriage yes. because I think the way I saw it in my head was I kept going to, for me, what worked was I was looking at, I was being grateful, yeah. grateful that I, I may have handled that differently if I didn't have a child. I was like, I already have a child here with me. I am so blessed. She's healthy. Um, the other thing was this child wasn't meant to be. So I was able to be very pragmatic about it. So I'd never really mourned that, but it was when we got down to the 14, 15 month mark and I still wasn't pregnant and I was getting older. That's when it was becoming tougher. Nobody told me the 98FM parenting podcast. Are you okay? I'm good. I'm good. I just, wow. Like it is crazy how sometimes it takes talking about something, you know, for it you yeah. to realise. Because when you're in it, you are just getting on with things. And for me, my experience was, 
you know, like kind of like you guys, you know, talking about it and kind of getting to that point where we felt, yeah, we're ready. Like, let's stop trying to not get pregnant. And I think we got really excited and um, we have close friends that were kind of on a similar journey around the same timeline. And I think a lot of our close friends were kind of at the same point and people were starting to have babies, think about having babies, were telling us that they were pregnant. And one of our friends had said, you know, it it happened kind of straight away, you know, because the stars aligned and we had all our ducks in a row. And we very much felt that we had our ducks in a row. We were ready. You know, things were looking good on loads of fronts. And it was kind of like that first time we had sex off the pill. We were like, well done. Yeah. We're pregnant now. There is a bit of that. Is and it's not because look we're better than anyone else. It's the excitement of Yeah, you're we so did excited. It. Yeah. And I remember we had a few things coming up, like my brother was getting married and our whole every time we talked about things was like now, well if I'm pregnant by December or if I'm pregnant yeah. by January. And then it was like if I'm pregnant by this. So it very quickly became my focus. But in, in a really enjoyable way. Like yeah. it wasn't, and I had a really good conversation actually at my, so my brother's wedding rolled around and I wasn't pregnant and uh, I had a really good conversation with a good pal that night and she was like, don't overthink it. But how do you not when it's like, it's all you want? But we didn't and we were going on holiday and we came back from holiday and I remember, um, you know, it was my focus, but we had had a great holiday and I like I kind of knew going on holidays, well, at least I can have a few drinks and, you know, like yeah. you've gone off to Australia. And then I was a couple of days late and did a pregnancy and I was doing pregnancy tests kind of on the sly, you know, and um, did a pregnancy test that came back positive. And it was just the one to two weeks, but I was really excited, told Alex straight away that was great. Literally two days later, like had a period. So I always remember my mum telling me years ago that she reckons she had an early miscarriage after me. But like back then, they didn't have the minute to minute pregnancy tests. And so that was kind of in the back of my head was that like, you know, the tests show very early what's called a chemical pregnancy that like all your hormones are aligned but actually nothing's happening. And that's, you know, what happened to me. So I was very disappointed. And I felt like, oh God, now I have to wait an entire month. And, you know, and that wait again, I'm so impatient. And I was still playing hockey at the time and that was very much the forefront of my mind. And, you know, I remember wanting to play a match that day, like as I was miscarrying. You know, and like I was very early days. It was like five, six. Like I literally just missed the period. So like that will tell you, like I was four or five weeks. But it was really, really disappointing. And I remember ringing the hospital and a midwife saying, look, you might not be miscarrying, but if you go play this hockey match and you have some kind of injury today, like would you be able to live with yourself? So you need to think about... So that's my mind frame started going to, I need to start doing all the things I need to do that I can control to make sure that things go as well as possible in the future. So that's where hockey started to take a back seat, started to reassess some things in my life work-wise. And then next period was late again. And I held off, held off, did a test about a week later, and lo and behold, I was pregnant. Were you excited or were you a bit nervous given what had happened? More apprehensive the second time. And we were a bit more cagey, Alex was like, just hold off now. We'll just wait and see what happens. 
a full week went by, I think. And I was I was definitely feeling more positive about it. That was great. And then my, my period came. And this one, the first one had happened over a weekend, kind of a Friday night, a Saturday morning. So come Monday morning, I was back in work. It was fine. I was doing the, sh- the talk show at the time. This one happened and it was Easter Monday night. So we were all back in work on the Tuesday. And I knew going to bed I was going to have to make a call because it was physically a lot tougher at this time. Mentally, I was like, okay, okay, you know what's happening. And um, another thing that I always kind of not found funny, but it was just so raw. Yes, funny is absolutely not the term, but something that was very much in my mind as well was uh, this was all happening around the build up to the abortion referendum in Ireland. This was last year. And so there was things on the talk show. There was topics coming up. There was guests booked in. There was different things happening. And it was everywhere. And as I mentioned, we had friends going through a similar journey. And so it was everywhere for us to see and consume all the time. And I remember having to call in on the Tuesday. I rang Rach, my producer. I had to ring her boss um, and and say to him, like, in, and I was fine, like you, up until I had to make that phone call. And just burst into tears on the phone to Phil and said, I'm having a miscarriage. And like, what the fuck do you say to someone when they say that? So he was amazing, absolutely amazing. But it was out there then, you know? And I know that like people kind of gauge the stage you're at in your life and they know what kind of roughly was. And I'm an open book as well. I yeah. give you my pin code. So like, <laughs> you know, Rach knew where I was at. She yeah. knew what was going on, but I hadn't told anyone about the first one. And then I had to be like, well, listen, this is actually the second one and it's a lot tougher. So there was a day or two I took off and then I had a guest booked in to do a piece about the coom on the Friday. So that had to be moved. I think Rachel ended up doing that for me. Like, so this was all in the build-up to the abortion referendum. And I remember that miscarriage so clearly. And something you said a minute ago really resonated with me. You were like, I just want this out. And that was how I felt. You know, I was I was very, very um, pro-choice. And I remember having a shower and the, the midwives had said to me on the phone, like, look, your early days, this is going to pass. Like, this is going to pass naturally. And I think for some people, maybe that's very difficult. But for me, in both scenarios, everything ha- happened very naturally. It was early enough days. It wasn't is too it, traumatic physically. Is it like um, a heavy period? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it, but very painful as well. I had very bad cramps. I yeah. never really suffered with period cramps. It was a very, very tough period. And I remember standing in the shower and there had been a piece, I think RTE had, had been doing interviews with people about the upcoming referendum. And this man had spoken about his wife um, suffering an ectopic pregnancy. And I had this fixation around the referendum with ectopic pregnancies. And I was convinced this was going to happen to me. And he spoke about his wife having to go in for a procedure and losing one of her fallopian tubes because of, you know, the 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 egg developing in her fallopian tube. And when the operation was done, uh, a nurse in the theatre said to them, would you like to take this home with you? And it was like a mass of cells, right, that they had removed from his wife's fallopian tube. His wife, same age as me, 34 at the time. And 
this pregnancy was not viable, was never going to happen because of where it was developing and it had nearly killed his wife because there was nothing the hospital could do for her until she was in this situation. And one of the nurses, he said, um, said to her, would you like to take this home? And he said, no, thank you. Um, that mass of cells nearly killed my wife. And she said, but that's your baby. So... This was kind of going through my head and I remember standing in the shower and I was passing blood and I lost a a pretty big clot. And I remember thinking, that was it. Like that was, that was the, 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 that was the cells. That was the, and it's gone. And thank God. And I know that might be, and I think we might put a bit of a warning in the start of this episode. Yeah, I think we should say. I, yeah. I understand for everyone it's different, and for everyone your hopes and your dreams, and what you feel about that pregnancy is different. But for me, I just thought if this isn't going to work, it could kill me. So it needs to go. Yeah. And for anyone who can't, you know, comprehend that, I I completely understand you have your reasons. I respect everyone's thoughts and opinions. But for me, for my truth, I was like, if this isn't going to work, it's got to go. It's got to get out of me. And I remember just a big sigh of relief being like, that was it. That's gone. And I went to see my doctor the following week and she said, look, you've been through a lot now. Like you've come off the pill. Your body is adjusting. Um, You've had two like chemical pregnancies and she said, and it's really normal. And I've heard other people talk and in interviews say how it's so ridiculous that you have to have three of these experiences in Ireland before you're taken seriously. For me, I didn't find that. I found, you know what, it, it does happen. And I was quite pragmatic and I felt, well, do you know what, if I have a third miscarriage, at least I'll get answers. And, you know, and I'll find out if I've got, if we've got a problem. So I went to my doctor and she said, look, what we'll do is you go away, wait for the next period to come, come back to me. We'll test your progesterone levels around your ovulation period and we'll see how you're looking. And if they're a little low, we might give you a supplement to get you on and see, will that help things? You were a long way off having difficulties. She was like, you're 34, you're fit, you're healthy. You've literally just come off come off the pill like the previous October. Yeah. She was like, we're laughing. Like, this is going to be okay. She didn't say we're laughing, right? I'm sorry, I'm terrible for saying things that didn't actually happen. <laughs> but um, I went away and in the meantime had made the decision to leave my job. Um, had made a few decisions around our life and our life choices and things like that. And I remember the snow happened around that time as well. And I had really decided that I was done and the the referendum was happening. And I just, a lot of things happened in my life in one go that it all kind of came clear. It was like the clouds lifted and things started to make sense for me. And I had deleted all the apps off my phone, my ovulation tracker, and I left my job on the Friday of the Maybank holiday weekend, I think I spoke about this um, and when we talked about our birth journeys, I worked the weekend in our own business at home. I went on an absolute banger with my best friend on the, on the bank holiday Monday night of um, the Maybank holiday. And come the Tuesday, Wednesday, I was still puking my ring. <laughs> and I down, re-downloaded the ovulation tracker and realised I was way, way late for my period. <laughs> and I was way, way pregnant. 
and that next appointment with my doctor never happened and like he's here today. So I'm very lucky like you in that I look at my baby and go, well, that was the baby I was meant to have. Yeah. If I hadn't gotten pregnant, we could be having a totally different conversation today. And I know that and I know how lucky I am. But I suppose it just, that's my journey and that was my experience. And it was tough at the time, but I have the glorious experience of the hindsight that I have to go, my baby is here and that was his pregnancy. And I kind of see those two experiences of my body preparing for him. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is why we wanted to talk about it today because every, like every pregnancy is different. Every miscarriage is different. And I remember at the time thinking, because as I said, it's so weird. I I usually have a very um, positive outlook on life. And the fact that I called the the obstetrician, the the receptionist there going, I'm making an appointment, but I may need to cancel. That's never me. So maybe I knew something at the back Mm -hmm. of my mind. But I also remember at the time thinking before the trauma, not trauma, that's too tough a word, but before the stress of not being able to get pregnant became a thing, I remember going, I'm not upset about having had the miscarriage. And is, is that normal? Am I normal? And I just want to say that whatever experience, whatever feelings you're having is normal for you. Mm. Like yourself, I became very pragmatic. So for me, and I think I, I said this, I didn't feel as upset because I already had my daughter. Yeah. And I was really thrilled that I, and v- very um, grateful to know that I was blessed to have this child already. So, you know, if it didn't happen for us again, And I'm sure there are people who have children who've miscarried trying to have their second or their third or their fourth. And they're like, I I am grateful, but I still really want that next baby. Totally understandable. And one thing for me was, I I have always wanted to be pregnant. I've always said, I can't wait to be pregnant. It just looks so beautiful and so enjoyable. And I loved my pregnancy. I was really nervous going in to that third pregnancy that I wouldn't enjoy it, that I would spend nine months stressing out and yeah. not enjoying it and wondering would I miscarry. And I, I've mentioned before that I've seen a psychotherapist in the past. After losing my mum, I went to psychotherapy and learned how to accept the things that I can't control in life. And I will definitely speak about that again because it's, it was life-changing for me. And I was so determined to enjoy the pregnancy. I was like, I cannot let what's happened my in the past affect yeah. this. And I'm so happy to say that the tools I learned through psychotherapy helped me. I had an amazing pregnancy throughout the entire thing. Yes, I had moments where I was like, what if, what if? But I learned to go, you're not in control of this. Up yeah. until the mo- moment he was handed to me in the hospital, I felt, you're not in control of this. You've done everything you can do everything else will happen the way it's meant to happen. And no matter what happens, you'll be fine. Yeah. And that has taken work. I'm not saying that you, everyone, you know, can just go into that and get like, of course, you could have been through the most horrific experience of your life. Of course, you're not going to just be able to go, oh, yeah, I'm not in control of this. It's taken a lot of work for me to get there. But I, you know, I I had to accept that if I was like, if I'm going to enjoy this. Because you're right, because that was, you know, after we finally got pregnant, because that's that's what I found the hardest. The the miscarriage for me, the whole process wasn't... um, I was very clinical about it. Just get me out. I was so lucky I wasn't in pain. What I did find hard was the three, I think there were maybe four days leading up to the miscarriage. I still was getting all the symptoms. And my, as I said, my body still thought it was pregnant. And I was just like, this needs to end for both. Like, I, I'm sick now and I'm not even 
it's like you can usually say I'm sick, but I'm going to get a baby out of this. Yeah. I wasn't even going to get a baby out of that. Um, but yeah, it was. That's okay. Don't have the baby, but it was the whole. But I, I really want a baby, and and there were friends that were talking to me about it, which was great. But then some people just didn't want to talk about it, and I was just like, you're, you're, you're still. From, I, I think you have to gauge the person, but mm. you're. If you know what's going on, and you're close to this person. Ask them, yes. are they okay? If they clam up, please don't push. Like, yes. But yeah. sometimes it's nice to, you don't want to feel a burden on other people, so you don't talk about it. But if someone asks you, it's like they they want to know, so maybe I'll, I'll let them in. And it's an amazing thing that so many people have gone through this. And the more we talk about it, I've, I've had a friend suffer with the, the loss of a pregnancy in the last year and to have been through it myself I like rather than do that typical listen what's meant to be oh. will be like and I'm brutal for that yeah but I was so conscious of being like this is shit oh yeah this is shit it's um and it's okay to say it's shit oh completely and it's okay as well at the other end if you're going I'm actually okay yeah like whatever end of the spectrum you're at it is completely fine I remember one of my first pr- friends to get pregnant um she told me she was pregnant at eight weeks and, God, her daughter's maybe 10 or 11 now. I'd never had anyone tell me that early that they were pregnant. I went, what are you doing? Why are you telling me? What about? I turned into like the old European mum, like the Greek Italian mum going, but what if you lose the child? And she went, well, that's what I'm going to need you more than any time. You know, I need you now to share in this joy with me. And hopefully we won't be sharing in any sorrow, but at least if you're sharing the joy, you know the journey I've been on. Yes. And then you've also experienced the the sorrow and you're there for me. And it's the first time I went, yeah, why do we hide it? I Yeah. And I do get it. Like at the time, like our first one, we, we told um, one or two people and it was really exciting. And then it was like, oh shit. And then, you know, the next one we said nothing. And then this, like, Alex, I don't think believed we were pregnant till we went for that twelve week scan. Yeah, and even at that, I think it was when the baby was handed to him that he really believed it. Yeah, um, but you know, and I get that everyone is different, and it's hard. You got to respect your partner. Like I'm totally. a big talker. Yeah, you know, and I feel now with all the time that's passed and the fact that we have a baby now that it's it's okay to talk about it but I do remember publicly time, like this yes yeah. um, I remember at the time him saying like are you going to tell people because I just I don't really want to right now and I was like yeah but I need to talk and he was like yeah. totally totally I get that but uh, are you going to talk about it on the radio and I was like, no, no, and I didn't. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. discuss it on the radio at the time because it did used to share a lot of stuff. But I, I had to respect that. And I, I, I wasn't ready to talk about it then. Yeah. You know? Do you know what I found really tough? Um, because, so I told everyone so early, that was my choice. Um, but ordinarily, I probably would have just, uh, what I would have done in the in the past is told mum and dad. And then it's so funny, within like 10 minutes, I'd have all of Australia calling me because mum would literally yeah. be on the phone to everybody. Um, but I told people personally myself. And then I let mum and dad spread the news back home. And I found it hard when that was happening and people were contacting me or when I had to tell someone that knew that I'd lost the baby. 
I somehow ended up comforting them. <laughs> it's just like, I'm really sorry I have to tell you this. Yeah. So um, this is happening to me. I, I've had a miscarriage. I'm fine. I'm co- and, and maybe that's where the I'm fine comes from because you want people to be okay with you. So then yeah. you overemphasize the I'm fine. So when you end up at the hospital on your own because you've told everyone I'm fine, as I said, if I was in Australia, and this is not a slight on anyone here, but if I was in Australia, do you think my mum or my yeah. dad would have taken that I'm fine? They would have been there. My best girlfriends, between all of them, someone would have dropped something and went, you've got no one there. I'm going to be there. I didn't realise, and even when it was happening, I don't think I was upset. It was probably a year into the journey of still not having yes. my second yeah. child that I went, oh, my God, I was on my own. That. Or it's when you hear someone else going through it that you're like, I can't believe you did that on your own. Yeah. Yet you were okay for you to do it on your own. And yeah, it's, you know, it's a tough journey. And yeah. it's one that, you know, I remember speaking to a guy on the talk show about about his wife's journey and their journey as a couple and how powerfully he spoke about that room in the hospital where no couples want to go because it's not the room that you get your baby at the end of it. Yeah. And... It's such a difficult journey and it's so tough on your relationship. It really, really is. No matter what way it happens, you know, because when fertility becomes a thing, and it does for everyone, whether it's good or bad, fertility becomes part of your life at some point. And everyone is different and everyone handles things differently, you know. And I suppose what we've been trying to do today is just give you a little idea of our journeys. Yeah. And hopefully maybe there's someone listening who can relate to a little bit of either of our stories and what we've been feeling. And I I suppose what we're trying to get out there as well is to talk, not necessarily publicly. You don't have to tell the world. You don't need to do a podcast. But, you know, find someone. I remember, I think, I've I've always known for as long as I can remember, my mum has always told me she was supposed to have four kids but she miscarried the third in between my two brothers. So miscarrying for me, now I didn't know what it was, how she miscarried until I miscarried mine, but it was never like miscarriage was always a possibility in my mind. Now, you don't want that to be the the possibility you look forward to, but Mm -hmm. I think we all need to talk, find people to talk to so we don't feel like we're alone. Yeah, and to talk about it so openly that even if someone is going through something and you might not know they're going through it and just maybe like to be more open about pregnancy loss and the loss of of a child even you know we didn't even touch on people actually losing children today Um, that if we just normalise it a bit more it might make it easier for someone you might not know you're making it easier for someone but you could yeah yeah and I think if we just become a little bit more respectful as well um you just you don't know anyone's journey. You don't know what they're doing. And when someone's trying really hard to have a child and you're throwing flippant comments, which will come up in the inappropriate comment section in a second. Um, yeah, just I, it comes back to what we always say, Lauren. Let's just all look out for each other. Defo. Talk and have each other's back. Yeah, I hope today has been all right. Um, I think we didn't realise how... No. How... Um, how much we were going to discuss this and the lengths we would go to. So I hope, look, if anyone out there um, 
is affected by what you're listening to today or you need to talk to someone there are some incredible services out there and what we'll do is in our Insta Insta stories and links and everything we will put all the appropriate details out there because I think it is so important that if maybe you feel the people in your life are not who you want to talk to that there is services out there. Please reach out to someone. Yeah. That, that is one thing I'll have to say. Um, after my miscarriage, they did get, give me a whole heap of paperwork. I don't know where it went. I sort of just, yeah. I, I, I We'll talk about this in another episode as well. I think I, I'm just very good at just blocking everything off. And that's not a good thing. You just pretend it doesn't happen. The walls go up and whatever. But will we end with the inappropriate comment? Yeah, let's go for it. It sounds like you have one. Yeah, well, the inappropriate comment comes back to this. And it's, you know, when I, and I mentioned this earlier on, when I wasn't pregnant and then when I'd had my first kid, the amount of people who'd come up to us and go, what are you waiting for? Stop taking your time. You need to get pregnant. And then we'd get pregnant and then we were told, your little one needs a brother or sister. My little one needs nothing but love and care. Um, and someone telling us to giddy up and oh, hurry up and have another child. So I used to, towards like, you know, the probably the last six months of trying to get pregnant, if anyone say that to me, I'd actually turn around and, went, and say to them, uh, we're, none of your business, but we are trying and we have had a miscarriage. And I'd turn Good my uncomfortable. I, I think it's time to make them feel uncomfortable yeah. because it's no one's business. Do not be asking someone, like we say, don't ask someone if they are pregnant, even if they are crowding. Wait till the baby's in their arms. Don't don't be asking someone when are they going to have kids. None of your fucking business. <laughs> God, that felt good. <laughs> I think we'll end it on that note yeah. today. Um, thank you so much for all the support we've been getting, all the feedback. Uh, we will do our best to keep getting back to people as promptly as we can. There's lots of topics that we have lined up to discuss. And as, again, just to say, if you've been affected by any of today's conversation, we will share out um, appropriate details of people you can get in contact with. You can get us on Instagram. We're at 98FM. Nobody told me. Twitter is the same at 98. Nobody told me. And you can drop us an email if you'd like. Nobody told me at 98FM.com. We're going to go give each other a big hug. You do that to someone too. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you soon. Thanks so much. The sound of the city. Nobody told me. The 98FM Parenting Podcast.